Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. We continue our conversations about racial discrimination, cultural gender norms, and expected behaviors. Our guest, Hosanna Kiggins, is a parent, student, singer, singing and cultural education teacher, and a medical receptionist. A native of Salvador, Brazil, Hosanna has lived here in Ukiah, California for 30 years. She's someone I've known almost that long. When Hosanna Kiggins and I visited at Radio Curious on March 14, 2015, she described her experiences, values, and goals. Her story begins when she was nine months old. I was adopted at nine months, and I was brought straight here to Ukiah. Do you know now much about your native land? I don't know very much. I went back there when um, I was 18 and spent three months there. So I got to see more of the culture, but I don't know as much as I should as a native Brazilian. What do you know about the Brazilian people? Well, in my experience there, I um, found them to be very fun and um, just really musical and very welcoming. Um, Life is a lot different there than it is here. Um, It's just kind of more laid back and um, there's a lot of poverty there, but the people seem so alive comparatively to what I found here in the States. What do you mean, alive? Um, I think it's kind of tied into the fact that they don't have as much. So um, joy is found in other forms other than just material items. And um, they're just, I don't know, they're just really musical and very exuberant and um, just really energetic and they like are really emotional people. Um, and here it's, I don't know, I don't think it's as acceptable to be so vibrant and energetic. Tell us about your experience growing up in Ukiah, California. Well, um, Ukiah is a good town. I had a really good childhood. I had lots of friends. I did lots of things like I was really involved in space and sports, did just a lot of performing. And I think it's it's a really welcoming town for young people, for young, for children, mostly. You mentioned space. What is that? Space is our School of Performing Arts and Cultural Education here in Ukiah. It's an amazing school that provides classes of all different arts. There's capoeira and West African dance, classes for young children, there's classes for adults, they're singing for all ages, and it's just a really wonderful, bright, shining star in our community um, that really embraces youth and really gives them something to do and a way to express themselves. I did it as a kid. I started at maybe three um, doing acting, did space all throughout my childhood and um, into my young adult life as a singer. The School of Performing Arts and Cultural Education. Hosanna, as a person of color, do you recall experiencing racism as a child growing up or as you live here in Ukiah now as an adult? I didn't experience very much racism. I didn't really think of myself as very different until maybe I was in 
like fifth grade. What happened? What do you remember? In fifth grade, I ran for my student class president, and I was informed by one of my classmates that I couldn't be president because I was black. It was really one of the first times that I really remember where my race was brought up or the color of my skin was brought up. I was like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I'm not black. (laughs) It just hadn't been something that had really been brought to my attention before then. How did that evolve? I don't know. I think he just was an ignorant kid and probably came from a background of ignorant family members. And he didn't realize that, you know, people of any color could be the president of the fifth grade class. Did you run? Oh, yeah. And I won. (laughs) So did that kind of experience people saying you can or cannot do certain things because of the color of your skin endure? Uh, No. I mean, my parents have always raised me to believe that I can do anything I want to do as long as I work hard at it. Um, And so I never... I didn't really grow up with the concept of um, races and that people are different because of their skin color. So I never really had to think in that context before. So I just figured, oh, he's just, you know, silly kid that doesn't like me and whatever. It never really connected to me as racism at the moment, at the time. Now I realize that he... It was a racist statement that he had said, but when I was in fifth grade, it was just like, oh, he just doesn't like me. I didn't really connect it. So, because it had never been an issue in my family. Like, I had never been raised to think I was any different than my parents or my family members, even though I didn't look like them. In your maturing years, young adulthood, has that been the same sort of theme? It hasn't been so much of negative comments or actions towards me as a young woman of color. I think that like one of my issues that I run into all the time is being mistaken for another person, woman of color in our community. I don't know why it bothers me so much. I think it's just because it takes away my own individuality to just be clumped into this group of women of color in Ukiah. That's more frustrating than if someone were to say a a racial slur towards me. When someone uses a racial slur, they're just an ignorant person. But when someone confuses me with a person of color that I look nothing like, I just find that to be more insulting. Outside of Ukiah, is it different? Yes, definitely. Ukiah is its own little bubble, but I've definitely had experiences. um, My son's grandparents live in Florida, and I've been followed around a juice shack in Florida where supposedly it looked like I wanted to steal some oranges. And I was actually followed around the juice shack by the owner. That was like my first outside of Ukiah, really, really obvious racial experience. I've also dealt with, I don't consider it reverse racism. I don't believe in reverse racism. I think it's just racism, whether it's done by someone of color or someone not of color. But in San Francisco, I used to go and um, go to a salon. And I remember sitting in the salon one day And a woman came in, she was campaigning, and mind you, the salon was an all-black salon, run and owned by people of color, all the clients were people of color, and um, this woman came in campaigning, and she was white, and they pretty much told her just to get out, and they weren't going to vote for her, and she was wasting her time talking to them, and they didn't care about her ideas or anything like that, and when she left, they had a conversation about, oh, that white woman, yada, 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 and 
I remember texting my mother and saying, mother, do not come in this salon when I'm done. I'll come out to you just because I was really mortified of how they might treat my mother as a white woman coming into their salon. It wasn't affecting me personally, but it definitely was another view of racism that I hadn't really seen from outside from once, you know, once I was outside my community. You know, my both of my parents are white. My whole family's white. I'm the only person of color in my whole family. So I don't have those feelings that some of the people of color in our society have. Granted, I don't have any roots here. I don't have any history with my family here. So I don't have anything with the whole context of slavery in the United States to kind of go back on and the oppression as generations. I don't have that as something that's affected my life. Hosanna Kiggins, could you talk about being stereotyped by your gender, your skin color, or perhaps both? I don't necessarily know if I can differentiate between some of my experiences as being race-based or gender-based. For a while, I was having a police officer follow me around town, and he would pull me over pretty much every weekend. And the first few times he asked for my license and insurance and all that stuff, but after a while he just stopped asking for that and I was like don't you want this and he's like oh no I know you have it and then he'd ask me questions about myself and um, I don't know if he was pulling me over because I was a young woman or if he was pulling me over because I was a young black woman or if he just was interested and that was his way of showing interest Um, I definitely as a woman of color am terrified of the police absolutely terrified And even when I know I have done nothing wrong and I have everything that I would need um, and there has been, you know, no laws broken, I'm still completely terrified. So I think that's something that I've experienced. And it's not so much from my own experience other than that, that stalking by the officer, but just because of the relationship that people in power, uh, police officers as an example, and people of color have the relationships that they have in our society. I think it's kind of like taught to be afraid. So that's something that I recognize in myself as a reaction to my color. How do you deal with that reaction? For the most part, I mean, I've never been arrested. I've never dealt with the law in any form like that. So I know that I'm, you know, fine. And my ducks are in a row and I'm not breaking any laws. So I know that I'm just, it's just kind of a guttural reaction. And so I just kind of say, okay, you have nothing to be worried about. Just calm down. And it's always true. But just having that reaction is something that is extremely uncomfortable. And I don't think that if I was a young white woman, I would have that reaction. What do you think is the basis of that reaction? Where does it come from? Um, I think it just comes from the relationship that police officers have um, with people of color in our country. I think it, um, you know, racial profiling is alive and well. And um, I think it's something that is so, so often occurs in society that as a person of color, it's just something that's somewhat ingrained in you um, to not necessarily trust police um, and to feel like you need to be on on guard. I think media definitely has a big role in that, hearing about, you know, different um, interactions with officers and people of color. Hosanna Kiggins is a native of Brazil, a parent, 
teacher, singer, singing and cultural education teacher, and a medical receptionist. She's describing her experiences, values, and goals. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Hosanna Kiggins, your son is about four years old. What do you plan to tell him about the police when he is older? My son loves police. He wants to be a police officer. You know, as that parent, you want to be like, yes, police are amazing and they help people. And you can always go to a police officer if you have a problem. But I feel that it's my responsibility to also let him know that because he's an olive skinned, non-white person, that there are certain ways and certain behaviors that he needs to keep in mind when he's dealing with police officers. The idealist in me would hope that I wouldn't have to bring this up because by the time he is old enough to maybe have experiences police with police, them, the world would be such a mixed place that the concept of different skin tones doesn't have as much of an effect. But I don't necessarily think that that will be the case. Like, I don't want him to think that he needs to be afraid of police. But I want him to also be aware that there are certain things that you can expect in society that you might be targeted for. You might be profiled as someone who's up to no good when you're not doing anything. And there's certain behaviors that you need to really apply when you're dealing with people in power in that situation. It's hard because you don't want to kind of create a bigger situation than there is and there needs to be. But you also don't want your children to be in the dark about what's reality. What would you say to him? I think I would just try to tell him to be respectful when he's dealing with police and to educate himself on his rights as a citizen of our country and try and really be aware of how he is coming across and um, just making sure that he's being respectful and is in the right context when he decides to use his words. Because I think that's what gets a lot of young people in, in trouble, young men in color uh, in trouble, is that they don't know how to speak to police. And so their tone can come off as aggressive, and then police officers feel that they need to use force. And while that could be ridiculous, because they could just be speaking, I think that any possible reason to use force, if they feel is necessary, um, that tone can be a big part of that. Do I hear an implication that talking to police is different than talking to other adults? Um, I think so. I mean, of course, it depends on the conversation you're having. But if you are having a heated argument with another adult, um, you can have a heated argument and feel emotion and possibly be really um, adamant about your view or something like that. But when you're dealing with police, you really have to um, check your emotions and make sure that you are in complete control of yourself. Um, because if you're deemed a threat, then it may, they may seem, deem it acceptable to use force against you. So moving beyond the issue of the color of people's skin, um, tell us about you. What, do you, what, uh, 
what is exciting in terms of recreation or creativity in your life? Well, I love to sing. Um, I teach singing to youth, which is wonderful and a lot of fun. I am also going to school and I love learning and love taking classes and just getting different viewpoints. Um, spending time with my son is probably the highlight because I work a lot. And so be a kid when I'm with my son and just playing at the park or we have dance parties all the time where we just put music on in the house and dance around and, um, my son, of course, but other kids as well. And I enjoy singing with them. And would you be willing to offer a song? Okay. I'll sing a song. Let's see. Um, the song I really like to do with my students is I'm Feeling Good by Nina Simone. So I'll do that one. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life, and I'm feeling good. Stars, when you shine, you know how I feel. Scent of the pine, oh, you know how I feel. Oh, freedom is mine, and I know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life, and I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. Can you tell us about the role of singing and the importance of it in your life? Um, sure, I've been singing since I can remember. Um, I used to sing in the car with my mom or just at home around the house. Um, I've been singing and dancing pretty much probably as early on as I could make sound and move. Um, I feel like music for me, it's the best way to express myself. And there's many of times when I couldn't think of the words that I wanted to say to clearly express myself, but I could find a song that could do that for me. I think also with working with kids, music is really influential. Um, you know, there's so many different ideas and viewpoints that are shoved at kids nowadays with media. And I think it's important to really examine what those messages are because kids learn a lot through music. They learn a lot just listening to it and being a part of it. And so I think that for me with kids, working with music is one of the greatest things that I could do because I just get to really be myself, be influential through music, through creating songs or just listening to songs. I mean, my parents have always told me I can be anything I want to be, but I think just the influence that society has on young women and, um, you know, what we're expected to do and that we're expected to find a husband and we're expected to, you know, be the m mothers to our children. And I really think my generation specifically is kind of breaking away from that where, you know, most of my friends don't have children. Most of my friends are not married and, um, we're kind of seen 
now, you know, we can go out there and have a fulfilling life without having to fulfill the roles that society created for us. Um, but I think it definitely takes leadership and it takes mentoring. And that's what I see with my students. I mean, some of the songs that these kids bring to me that they want to sing, I can't even believe that their parents let them listen to these songs. And my parents would never let me listen to that kind of music at that age. I mean, I teach from seven to 15. And um, just I just don't understand why, how we've come this far where young kids are singing about issues that really are not at their maturity level. What are those issues? Just, I mean, I know I sound kind of like a prude, but I mean, I had a eight-year-old student bring me a song about sex and having sex, and I don't think it's appropriate for an eight-year-old to be singing about having sex. I just don't. It doesn't work for me. One of the songs recently that I did with my students, it's a poppy song about sending all these mixed messages about healthy relationships. So I took that song, and I broke it apart, and I mixed it up with another song, a song saying, I don't need you. You are not responsible. You have not done anything to better yourself in life. You are not being proactive in finding a job or getting your own house. Or I mean, just the ideas that young men can still be young in their mind and women are expected to mature so that they can take care of their husbands and those weird, these weird ideas and concepts that I, I think society has really created. Um, and so the song is pretty much like saying, no, I'm not into that. I don't need you and I'm not going to let you use me and you don't have any money and I'm the one working and you're just dependent on me. And so I took them and I mixed them up. And so we put those songs together and changed the whole idea of the song to I'm a strong, independent woman and I really don't need you to in order to enjoy my life. Um, and so that was the message that I wanted to you know, teach my students. Not all the songs are bad. And so I don't want to give, you know, a bad like rap to pop music or anything like that. Like the Bruno Mars song, um, I Love You Just The Way You Are. We took that song and we blended it with the Katy Perry song, Unconditional. Um, and it's a song about I love you unconditionally. And so um, just blending those songs together, um, it didn't necessarily change the message of the song, but for seven year olds to be hearing over and over again, I love you just the way you are. And I love you unconditionally. That can be a pretty powerful message if you're singing it over and over and over again. So that's kind of where I'm going with music. In this case, it's I'm trying to make them understand that, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, really good at math or horrible at math. It doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. What matters is how you feel about yourself. And as long as you know in your heart that you are a strong, powerful woman, then, you know, people that try to knock you down won't have the ability to do so because you're confident in yourself. So that's kind of the messages that I'm trying to trying to work with. You have experience as a member of a women's acapella singing group. Yes. Yeah, and I teach acapella singing now. I love acapella music because you get to create all of the sounds yourself without being dependent on different instruments other than the voice. 
Um, and it's not a very common type of music in, you know, modern music. So it's fun to take songs and kind of break them apart and find different rhythms and different background musical points and bring it all together to create a different sound. And you have it wherever you breathe. And you have it wherever you breathe. Yeah. Well, Hosanna Kiggins, I want to thank you for being with us on Radio Curious. And a couple of questions. One is about a eureka or an aha moment that you remember in your life that gave you insight, uh, a new philosophy by which to live. It was when I was in Brazil, and I saw these young children dancing and singing and just moving around in the exact way that I had for years as a kid. And no one else in my class or town that really had um, kind of acted the same way I did and had that same energy level and that same body movement and all of that stuff. And it was such an, a moment for me where I was like, oh, wow, there are people that I connect with. And um, I, I'm i not a complete oddball. I mean, I'm just outside. I'm not in that same area as these people, but there are people that are like me. And tell us, what would you like to do with the rest of your One Precious Life? Well, um, I really want to work with children with music. My dream is to establish a new form of music therapy. That's why I'm going back to school. Um, I want to take music and create empowerment programs in schools through music, creating songs, creating sounds, creating different types of styles of music with youth, all while examining the messages that are given out to young people through popular music and really reevaluating that and um, just creating programs that really empower um, young people. The messages that are given out to young people, which ones do you have in mind? Well, I think it's really important to examine, especially the role and the value of young women. Um, I didn't really think about it too much until I started teaching and my students were bringing me songs about, oh, I love my boyfriend, but he doesn't treat me very well, but it's okay because I love him. And um, just different messages, especially to our young girls that are not empowering and are actually degrading. I think because it's put to a song with a poppy beat, we aren't as as, um, often willing to look at the messages that are being out there. We're just kind of listening and dancing around. But I think that those messages really sink in and the concepts that, you know, you need to be skinny or you need to have long straight hair or you need to conform into this Barbie-shaped box. I want to break those down and create a stronger empowerment through music and make it so those aren't those songs aren't acceptable and those songs aren't appreciated by young people because they're really not positive subliminal messages at all. And finally, Hosanna Kiggins, is there a book that you could recommend to our listeners? Well, um, the most recent book that I've read is Hard Laughter by Anne Lamott. She's amazing and uh, very straightforward and blunt, but hilarious. I just really love her writing style, and um, it's very easy to connect to her stories. Well, Hosanna Kiggins, I want to thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. Great. Thank you for having me. Hosanna Kiggins, a native of Brazil, was raised and now lives in Ukiah, California, 
She's a parent, student, singer, singing and cultural education teacher, and a medical receptionist. In this program, recorded on March 14th in the Radio Curious Studios, she shared her experiences, values, and goals. The book Hosanna Kiggins recommends is Hard Laughter by Anne Lamont. There are over 500 editions of Radio Curious on our website, radiocurious.org. They're free to listen, download, and share as you wish. The email address is curious at radiocurious.org. And the phone is 707-462-6541. Christina Honestead is the assistant producer, and I'm host and producer, Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.